welcome everyone to the Work From Home show. I'm your host, Nikki Weisgarber, and I'm joined today by Global Head of Diversity at Google, Cornell Radeha Woodson. Welcome, Cornell. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you, and I'm excited to have a conversation and hear more about diversity and inclusion during this pandemic. So, um, you know, usually I start the, the conversation by um, having you kind of chat about the company you work for and your role. Um, but I think everybody knows who Google is. Yes. <laughs> so why don't, you, why don't you start just by giving us a bit of background uh, on yourself and then your role at Google specifically. Yeah. So I uh, actually, you know, just kind of moved to California. So I'm new to tech. My background is in education. Uh, I have a master's degree in higher education and have been doing diversity related work for over 10 years in education and now moved into tech about a year and a half ago. Um, and, you know, so get, starting, getting started on how helping tech organizations uh, really develop their diversity initiatives in order to be able to impact the world in, in a larger way than I think I was able to do it in higher education. Um, and so I actually started out working for a company called Looker uh, that is now a product of Google for the Looker product. And Looker is basically a data analytics tool that allows people to utilize um, and use their data in a really great way to make better business decisions. And it's great for diversity professionals to be able to look at the data, see it all on sort of one page and really be able to tell the story we need to tell. Yeah, that's great. I was uh, doing a bit of research on Looker and um, there's a lot of AI intelligence uh, companies kind of coming out there and it's, it's actually quite fascinating. Uh, some of the intelligence coming out of some of these products too. Um, yeah, I, I love Looker. Love I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, without a doubt, this, this COVID-19 pandemic um, is and is having an impact on our economy or society and our way of life. Um, and we don't know to what extent um, this, is, this is going to happen because it is quite unprecedented. But, you know, what I have noticed is that um, diversity and inclusion are more relevant than ever right now. I just want to just read a, a, a short excerpt from a, um, an article I was reading a couple weeks ago from Forbes. Um, and then mm -hmm. I, I'm going to tell you a little bit about, you know, why this resonated with me. This experience might make those of us from privileged segments of society appreciate how horrible it is to be cut out from the opportunity to go to work or attend events and from other aspects of our daily life that we are so used to taking for granted. Being aware of how it feels to be excluded is a crucial first step toward becoming more inclusive. Mm. When I read this, I reflected back to the first week that we were all working remotely and we were all social distancing, quarantine, whatever you want to call it. And I was very selfish. I was upset because I couldn't go to the gym. I was upset because I couldn't go to the office. I couldn't do uh -huh. this and I couldn't do that. And I was, my world was crumbling. And then I had to step back and be like, okay, there, you know what? I'm lucky to have those opportunities to be able to go to the gym and to go to the right. office. And there are individuals who don't have those opportunities. And so now I look very differently at inclusion and diversity and I do yeah. take things for granted. And I, you know, I have stepped back from that. So let's start the conversation talking about how does working remotely foster greater workplace diversity and inclusion? Yeah, I mean, it's really opening people's eyes to, as you mentioned, you know, the things that they take for granted every single day and, and what and why that is so important is because there are folks who 
don't have the opportunity to uh, do a lot of the things that we are, you know, to go out to brunch. You know, I mentioned earlier how I work from home most of the time anyway, but being able to go to brunch, I really miss and being able to get out there. There are a lot of people who don't have that option. There are a lot of people who don't have a job anymore because their work is no is can't be done from home. Um, there are some people who still have to go to work and and sort of risk you know uh, catching COVID nineteen because if they refuse to go to work, that means they lose their job. And so this is really impacting people differently. And I think for many of us, it's really opening our eyes to the ways in which people navigate the world and where privilege and where um, these things really lie and, and how they benefit sometimes from either their, their, their class, their uh, social, social economic class, their race, their gender, um, and things of that sort. So it's, it's really having, having people have aha moments mm-hmm. that my work is so steeped in that they're, they're being forced to have by, you know, uh, working from home and not really being able to go outside and do things that they always wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I just, you know, I, it, it, it's always, I'm, I'm overcome with emotion over it because I was so selfish in that first yeah. week. And I'm like, what, what am I, what's, what's the problem here? Like there's way, way yeah. worse out there. Um, so definitely I've reflected back on that and I am going to act differently going forward for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, you really hit on something really good, right? Because I find that most people, when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, so most people kind of stay away from those aha moments because out of fear of, uh, you know, that means I, I, I wasn't a good person or I wasn't a humble person or someone who thought of others. And it's like, no, you had a certain vantage point. You had a certain, you know, sort of way of living that you understood. And it's hard to know how other people live until you're presented with an mm-hmm. opportunity to be educated. So the fact that you're like, whoa, I'm taking that information. I want to do something differently now that I know. That's what we're working towards. And, yeah. and that's what makes that such an amazing experience. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about, um, you know, how do you make sure that all your employees in- are engaged during this time? Um, especially those that, you know, are from uh, backgrounds that are often overlooked in meetings or events or just in our daily lives. Absolutely. You know, when it comes to these kind of things, it's really important to note that everyone needs something different when it comes to engagement and particularly when it comes to, you know, things like this, right? Um, You know, so we are really looking at what are the different groups that exist within the, the organization and on our teams and what might each of those groups need? Folks who struggle with mental health, what might they need in this moment? Folks who have children, folks who take care of older aging parents or, you know, think, you know, things that sort of, what do they need in this moment to make sure they know that we're here for them? Therefore, they show up in a greater way when it comes to work. So we're encouraging our managers to be patient, to be kind, and to, most importantly, to ask questions. We find that most of the time, particularly folks from underrepresented you know, and marginalized backgrounds aren't going to advocate for themselves, mm-hmm. right? They're not going to say, hey, I have four children and, and I'm a single parent or, you know, my spouse actually has to go to work, so I'm home with the kids. They're not going to advocate for themselves out of fear of how that might look on them. Women in particularly will not advocate for themselves for that reason, particularly if they're in engineering roles or mm-hmm. sales roles, because they don't want to be seen as the weakest link. And so it's really important for managers to step up and say, hey, I know you all have needs. Let me know what those are so I can be here and show up for you and create the space for you to take care of what you have to take care of so you can show up in a major way at work, knowing that things that are personal are being taken care of and you have the space to really do that. Yeah, and that's great. And, and you know, those leaders should be opening up those conversations and, and asking what it is that 
either they themselves individually need to, um, you know, provide to support them or what the organization needs to provide. Do you, do you have any advice as to, uh, for, you know, those, those employees with those, um, you know, with those needs on how they can communicate to their managers? Maybe their managers aren't reaching out to them, but how can those employees communicate to their managers or their leaders about what their needs are? Yeah, and, and, and you know, and I, before I, I really want I want to acknowledge how difficult that can be, depending on the culture and climate of your organization, right? Um, so if you're in a climate organization where you feel like you can, and you just need to step up and say it. I think it's a matter of you know, most people have one on ones with their managers. If not, request one and just say, hey, I really want to be able to do my best work, and right now there's some things outside of work that are are really pressing for me that are going to inhibit my ability to really be successful in the work that I have to get done. And, you know, I just need, and, and really outlining what is it that you need and be very specific about that. Um, because most times your managers want to ask that, okay, so thank you for telling me, what do you need? And be ready to provide what that looks like. Um, but I think that a lot of times managers want to know, you know, how are we making sure that the work still gets done and you still get what you need. And so I think as the employee, if I come in saying, hey, I want to do my best work, here's what I need in order to be able to do that. I think that's a really great way to approach it. Great. Yeah, that's great advice. So you did provide um, some some stats um, that I'm just going to read out. And then I kind of want to talk about, um, you know, the neurodiverse um, uh, community. So according to the CDC, one in 42 boys and one in 189 girls in the U.S. are autistic. So how do we manage a remote workforce that is inclusive of those who are neurodiverse? Such a, and, and the reason why I, I, I talk about this because it's neurodiversity is a under discussed uh, opportunity within diversity, right? Um, and and knowing that we potentially work with a lot of folks who fall under that umbrella, it's necessary for us to one to know what neurodiversity even means. What does that look like, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then then from there we're able to figure out how we create systems and processes and and systems of support to be able to um, allow them to to fun- to function really well and get the support that they need to do their job. So I think understanding awareness is always critical. You you know, diversity education always gets a lot of flack. Um, you know, there's tons of articles that diversity trainings don't work. And it's like, yeah, they don't work by themselves, mm-hmm. right? So awareness is super critical because the more I know, the better I can do and better decisions I make. And so being able to understand and create space for people to self-identify as neurodiverse, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want people out there diagnosing people as neurodiverse because they learned through a Forbes, you know, uh, article that this is what neurodiversity means, but creating a space for people to be able to say, hey, yeah, I'm someone who really needs this kind of support because of my neurodiversity and here's what that looks like for me. Opening up the, the communication for people to be able to advocate for themselves is the best way you can support a, a large portion of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nope, that makes sense for sure. Um, so, you know, just, you know, working remotely and, and organizations are starting to see that, hey, you know, we can operate in this fashion. Um, and, you know, this opens doors for, for lots of opportunities and, and also the, the talent pool that is out there. So let's talk a little bit about how, um, you know, this creates a greater opportunity to diversify our companies. Um, you did specifically mention, um, you know, women in the workforce, especially those in technical and sales roles. So let's touch a little bit more. I want to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think this, this is my favorite question. And I think it's my favorite topic that is coming out of this conversation around work from home. 
there are so many industries that really did not see working from home as a viable way to build teams and also to be able to manage people and to get work done. And so now COVID-19 has really forced us to see that actually when in done strategically and intentionally, working from home actually can be a viable option for many people. And the way that this opens up our workforce to many, you know, to different people, there are folks who don't have the, you know, resources to be able to travel back and forth into work or may not want to. I think of my time working in higher education where we were trying to recruit people of color to some uh, smaller towns that were usually predominantly white. And many people of color, particularly with children, don't want to move to a small town where it's predominantly white. They don't want to raise their kids in spaces where they're the one of five, you know, um, and there are certain uh, uh, cultural things that people need in, in their town in order to feel at home. And so if we open our workforce up to being more open to work from home options, now you have people, your, 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 your talent pool opens up widely because now you don't have to spend money on relocation fees which is expensive and usually hinders where where you can hire from and who you're willing to hire because you can't afford to help them move to the city where they need to be. Um, but now work from home options allows us to really connect with different demographics and people from all over the, the country um, to really be able to maximize the talent that's really out there. Yeah, and that's been a big topic on most of the conversations that that um, that I've been having is just the opportunity and the talent pool that's going to be out there now, and everybody is looking at that opportunity and in a positive way, and that's that's great to hear because there are so many great people out there, um, and it doesn't mean that they have to come into the office; they can work remotely, and I think that this pandemic is is opening those doors for sure. Absolutely. Um, so, excuse me, um, let's talk about how, um, let's talk about the diversity initiatives and, you know, how the transition to remote work impacts that or does it impact that? It, it definitely does. I think it impacts how we do diversity work. So, for example, training, right? Training oftentimes, particularly when it comes to diversity, is a face-to-face -face thing. Um, many people will tell you doing it virtually is not the best option because there's so many emotions that come out of talking about diversity that you want to be able to be there in a space with someone face-to-face -to, -face to support them and, and be there for them in that moment. Um, but now we're being forced to really rethink wow, we got to get more creative and think about how does diversity training translate in a, in a, in a virtual world and, be, and using the resources and the technology that's out there to make it just as engaging virtually as it was face-to-face. -face. I think the other thing is that we're helping people develop new skills. So we're helping managers develop new skills of how to deal with conflict um, virtually. We know that 85% of our communication is nonverbal. If we're all on Zoom or Google Hangouts and, you know, folks have their cameras off, there's much more room for people to misinterpret or misunderstand what someone meant by something that, that they said. So now we're helping managers think about, really hone in on conflict management skills, uh, making sure that folks who traditionally are talked over in face-to-face -face meetings that doesn't translate to virtual meetings as, as well, right? We know that women oftentimes get interrupted or left out of conversations, even though they're in the room uh, by their male colleagues. So how do we make sure that in a virtual world where it's very easy to kind of hide under the radar, that managers are being very intentional about being mindful of who's not talking, who haven't I heard from, and really saying, hey, I want to open up this space for people who I haven't heard from already. Um, I think the other thing from a DI perspective of what will change is, unfortunately, many companies will have to reprioritize their business uh, goals and really pivot to something different. 
And unfortunately, sometimes the diversity initiatives tend to get pushed to the back burner when more pressing issues arise. For DEI professionals, it's really going to be important for us to make sure that we are making the leaders aware that diversity is just as important, if not more important today as it was before COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I've been telling people, I think that COVID-19 will be a test for whether or not all that business case for diversity conversations actually worked. Like, will they think naturally on their own that, yes, we got to get diversity in on this, or will they push us to the back, requiring us to really step up and say, "Uh uh-uh, you need us, and here's why. Yeah, and have you experienced that? Not, no, not so far, not at all. If if anything, you know, you see the messaging from other companies and even my own, the messaging is steeped in diversity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if anything, they recognize how much, how important inclusion is even more so for the reasons we talked about earlier, that people who with, you know, significant uh, identities of privilege are now going, whoa, this is what this feels like to be excluded. Mm -hmm. And so now we're, we're ramping it up even more to say, this is the time to show up, to empathize, to be humble and to be there for each other. Yeah, no, agreed. And, and you know, everything that I've been reading on inclusion and diversity during this time, it says this is not the time to, you know, cut out any of these initiatives. This is the time to enhance them and, and, and to work on them so that when we come out on the other side of all of this, it's still, you know, it's still it's still initiative that you're working on. It should not be something that is um, that's pushed to the back burner. It, exactly. And, and yeah. I think working from home will require new systems. Yeah. And we build those systems from the ground up with inclusion at the center. Mm-hmm. We're going to build it in a way that is equitable for all the people who need to be impacted by it. Yeah. And it's, it's part of your culture. So I think that's exactly. part of your foundation too, right? Exactly. Yeah. And if you don't <laughs> exactly. have that foundation, it's going to crumble. Um, and it's going to fix down the line. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the one thing that we've learned at Kudos is we've had to find different ways to, um, to communicate because we are, it's, we don't have that, um, that uh, physical interaction with each other and you know tone can come off very differently on uh, whether it's a phone call or it is over you know um, a video call so we've had Mm -hmm. to change the way that we position our communication as well so I think that's another thing that our team uh, has learned is learning to do and you did mention you know pivoting pivoting your goals that is a conversation that we had like two days ago with our leadership team. exactly Yep, exactly. Um, it's like, okay, the goals that we set out at the beginning of the year, okay, we can just, you know, kind of throw those out the window and we need to re- we need to relook at these again uh, to accommodate this sort of new world that we're in. Um, and right. does it, you know, does it make sense for right now and, and for, you know, the, the rest of the year? So, it's, yeah, everything you're mentioning is, is things that organizations are going through right now. Exactly. Yeah. So how do you, you know, what might be the long-term impact of uh, COVID-19 on diversity work? We yeah. touched on a lot of, you touched on a lot of things, but let's pick on, you know, uh, some of the, the major ones, the bigger, the bigger impacts. I think the big thing is, is whether or not it has the reach that we want it to have. I think this is the opportunity for diversity to expand its reach. And what I mean by expand its reach is that oftentimes, you know, the best way to implement diversity is that diversity initiatives is that it touches every aspect of the company, the product, 
human resources, you know, the facilities, you know, promotion, hiring, all that stuff, right? And I think that this will be an opportunity for diversity long-term to really naturally seep its way into all those areas and for us to not have such a hard time getting into those areas, mm-hmm. right? Um, that, it, it, that I think that this could be a natural way, if, if done right, right, in terms of leadership and the actual professionals who do it and are really ready with the data, ready with the information to say, look, here's why we need to be at that table having those conversations in those rooms, um, that this is an impact that can really uplift diversity and, initi- diversity and inclusion initiatives in a major way. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is really specifically around um, you know, many companies are going to be laying people off. And so being a part of those conversations and how do we do that equitably? You know that companies, it, it has to be done, right? The money isn't there. We've seen some companies where instead of uh, laying people off, they've asked everyone, you know, to decrease their salary, to make room for everyone else to be able to still keep their job, right? So how are we part of those conversations and impacting uh, how we make those the mm-hmm. decisions. Those are two big things that I think are really going to be at top of mind mm-hmm. um, for many companies and how DEI will be able to be impacted for, for the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're, you're, some of those organizations are temporarily laying off those employees. So how you sort of handle that, that, that process at the beginning is going to set the tone for when they come back to the organization exactly. as well. So I think that's exactly. extremely important. Yeah. So, you know, kind of before we get into our, uh, our wrap up questions, do you have uh-huh. any sort of final thoughts or takeaways that you'd like to leave our audience with? Yeah, I think the big thing, you know, if you're in a diversity role, I think this is a really big opportunity for us to get ready to really center diversity around everything that's happening. And I think we have to be ready for that. We have to be ready and have the the um, the courage to step up and say, hey, do not forget these DEI initiatives. And here's how they're connected, even to as you pivot to different priorities as an impact of COVID-19. But if you're someone who's like, I'm not in a diversity role, but I this, I, this matters, or I'm just learning about this, I think that this is a really great opportunity for allies to step up mm-hmm. and recognize the differences in how COVID-19 is impacting different people mm-hmm. and encouraging your companies and your organizations to say, how, what are we doing for this population? Allies are so important for this conversation and we need them now more than ever to use that sometimes identity privilege mm-hmm. to step up and say, hey, we're not, doing this right or we could be doing this better and let's do it now before it gets too 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 uh too bad and we can't fix it as yeah you know kudos we always um you know encourage our our um customers to find those uh culture advocates or those recognition advocates within your organization that are going to advocate for the initiative that you are trying to run and that should be the same thing for uh inclusion and diversity diversity as well um get find those advocates find those people that you know have bigger voices potentially or you know would have a bigger impact with with certain audiences um and reach out to those individuals to be your advocate um, so we always encourage that from our side of the fence and I definitely encourage other organizations to find those advocates in their organization. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. So kind of, t- we keep talking about like resources and, you know, if you don't know where to start, where do you start? So, you know, what would be a book or a podcast or any sort of learning resource that you could recommend to leaders, to managers, or to just general population about diversity, inclusion, or culture in general? So this is such a hard question because there are so many out there that I love so much. 
I think I, I go back to the ones that have really impacted me. There's one book, it's not actually a diversity book, but it's very much steeped in diversity and inclusion. And it's actually Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, mm. um, which talks about the power of vulnerability. What better time to understand the power of vulnerability than right now? Mm-hmm. And, and because because it, it's 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 in the center of everything that we're dealing with right now. There are a lot of vulnerable populations. There are people, so many of us, who are vulnerable right now, and maybe not speaking that into existence to sort of share that to get the help that, that we need. And that if we're willing to set, you know, to uh, to really be comfortable with vulnerability, how much empathy we can begin mm-hmm. to develop for. Uh, ourselves and for other people and therefore be able to share resources. The other one that I, I haven't finished, but I'm loving it. And I think it's very simple. It's called talking to strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, and it's really about how do you get to know people who are different from you mm. and, and, and how do you really begin to build bridges between difference and between cultures and, and, and countries and religions, things that sort to really create a more cohesive environment. So those are two books that I always encourage people to start. And then we can get in some of the deeper stuff that's a little heavier, but those are great places to start. Yeah, no, that's a good start. Thanks. And, and Brene Brown, wonderful lady. And if you guys have, like, if the audience hasn't listened to her podcast, Unlocking Us, you know, this right now, she started right in the middle of this, like, this pandemic. And so being vulnerable, being brave and empathy, it's all tied in. And so she has a great podcast that's starting um, and her, her um, guests have been really great as well. Um, even just with the, you know, the uh, uh, grief, talking about this is a grief period for a lot of us. And absolutely. I definitely went through that. <laughs> absolutely, um, absolutely. Gone through all those stages. So um, yeah, definitely Brené Brown's great. And, and Ma- Malcolm Gladwell has uh, some great insights as well. Uh, second question, what would be your number one working from home tip? It could be professional, it could be Ooh, personal or a yeah. hybrid. <laughs> Uh, I would say to, you know, one of the things that helps me is getting up at the same time I would have gotten up when I was going into the office and really mapping out what my day looks like so that I, every day I come to my, you know, office at home, I have a list of the things that I need to accomplish and I get those done. So really making sure that your day is still structured because it's very easy to go, yeah, I'll do this, this, you know, at this time, I'm going to watch some TV at this time. Like, and, and that's okay, but have it structured. Yep. So as you know, from one to two, you're going to take a quick hour break to go watch that latest episode of Judge Judy, and, <laughs> but you're going to come back and finish the following product. So having, still keeping structured, having a schedule, you yep. know, I think really helps people still be productive. Yep. Yep. I um, mean, you've like, you've, you've been working remotely for the majority of your career and you, you know, you, you're kind of set in that routine and um, it really took me a long time and a lot of my colleagues, a lot of time to kind of get into that new routine and what that new routine looked like. So exactly. Yeah. Having that structure and having the differentiation between, you know, going from work or from home to work and then work to home too, and just making sure you're setting those boundaries and respecting those boundaries. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So you mentioned judge Judy. Is that what you're binge watching right now? (laughs) <laughs> no, so I, I actually watched Judge Judy in a long time. She's, just, she's what I think of. I think of all of those courtroom shows yeah. <laughs> that come on during the day when I'm usually, you know, at work or whatever. But yeah. when I'm, I'm, yeah. what am I binge watching right now? Oh, there's so many shows. I'm watching Ozark on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm watching one of my favorite shows called uh, One Day at a Time. It's a remake of an older version of the show of the same title. Um, and uh, what else am I watching? Blackish. So yeah. like. 
there is never one show that I'm watching. I'm always watching like seven and I keep track of them through all my apps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like that too. I'm like, I can't just watch one and finish it. I have to watch multiple. <laughs> yeah. I just watched uh, Love is Blind. The oh, show yeah. on Netflix. Oh my goodness. I so good. <laughs> yeah. No, it's guilty pleasures, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So what is one positive thing that you have seen since our social distancing started that you always want to remember? Oh, the amount of people who have stepped up to just check on people. You, you're hearing all the stories about um, people leaving notes, um, you know, on people's doors who they know are, are older. So it may not be a, who are hot more um, highly successful to catching COVID-19 so that they can't come out of the house. So they're leaving notes saying, hey, call me if you need groceries. And you're just, they're just stepping up. No one's asking them to do these things. They're just naturally saying, hey, I, can, I can't you know, donate millions of dollars, but I can go to the grocery store for my neighbors who have children or you know, who might have autoimmune you know, disorders. They can't come out of that. They're stepping up. And it just is a great reminder that there is still good in the world when you're so used to watching the news and seeing so much of the bad stuff, that there's still a lot of good people out there who are ready to step up and use whatever they have to, to help others. That's, yeah. that, that's been beautiful to me. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. This, the, the news, I'm trying to stay away from the news as much as possible. Um, and, uh, try to bring more of that, that positivity into my day to day, uh, cause anxiety breeds anxiety. And so, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. I can really feed, I feed off of people's energies and, you know, I really need to, I know what I need to do and what I shouldn't be doing. And so I think the news, I'll just take it in in small bits and have my, right. you know, my, my news source that I go to. Um, but then yeah. I want to listen to a lot more positive things that are happening in the world too. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Well, Cornell, I really appreciate our conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, your My insights pleasure. have been, yeah, your insights have been great, and I hope that our audience feels the same, and I'm sure that they will. Um, I hope that we can connect again very soon. Thank you again. Absolutely, I would love that. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So, thanks everyone for tuning in today. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to our podcast uh, for future episodes. And if you're liking these episodes, please give us a five star rating. But until next time, stay wise, stay connected, and stay healthy. Thank you. Mm -hmm.